This is Unfilter, episode 156 for August 26th, 2015. The other big story of the morning, three American heroes honored overnight for stopping a potential massacre that could have been carried out on a train that was bound for Paris. Good morning, everybody. I'm Martha McCallum here in America's Newsroom. Nice to be with you. Nice to be with you on this Monday morning. I'm in Leland Vittert in for Bill Hemmer. They are being called heroes, and rightly so. Here's why. On Saturday, the three men jump into action when an Islamic terrorist whips out an AK-47 on a train carrying 500 passengers, and he had dozens of rounds of ammunition. Together, the three Americans beat the gunman unconscious, hog-tied him for good measure. Welcome again to another edition of Unfilter, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show about the news that you shouldn't be watching. With producer Matt, we got Mr. Chris Fish over there at the controls, and I'm Chase News. Hey, what's going on, Chris? Hello there, buddy. It's good to have you here. And yeah. you know, Mr. Chase... Bonjour, by the way. I, I think I successfully managed to avoid ConCrud from LinuxCon. I, I think I, I can declare it right now on the Unfilter show. The last Unfilter show we did, it was just after LinuxCon. Now, now here I am. Now, to be fair... To be fair, how many attendees? Uh, thousands, thousands, probably. Thousands. Where was it held, by the way? Seattle. Uh, at the Sheraton. Okay, so it's at the Sheraton, so not a huge convention. Right. Well, no, it's, uh, it was, but it was uh, three floors and, okay. you know, mm-hmm. rooms and stuff. It's not, uh, it's not uh, as big as some other conventions out there that you might be familiar with, like the one going on next weekend. Yeah. So, speaking of that, that's the Penny Arcade Expo that I know you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And talking about Concred, that is the one that you have to protect yourself. You have to be packing. Oh my God. You have to be packing the hand sanitizer. Not to be stereotypical, but what is it with the really geeky geeks that uh, accidentally spread the germs? Well, not only that, but the ones that don't bathe. I guess and man. smell it, and they don't real. know what bo is. The struggle is real. The struggle <laughs> is very real. So uh, why don't we just get this out of the way at the top of the show? Yes. Uh, I was going to mention it during the Patreon segment, but I, I think we might as well mention it now. Uh, the uh, the unfiltered show accidentally ended up with one too many. Any PAX passes, uh, and, uh, also, wah, wah. and I, uh, I'm going down to PAX on Monday. Well, hold on, right, uh, I'm gonna. The, pro- uh, I got protected. There. Monday, August 31st. Oh, really? Jeez. Well, some, some people like to take the numbers. Yeah, sure, sure. And uh, and we are going to be uh, Chase and I are going to be at PAX on Monday, and we have an extra PAX pass. And if you're in the Seattle area and can get it from us in down there, uh, tweet me at Chris Elias and at Nunes and put uh, hashtag PAX PAX yes in the uh, tweet. And maybe you can get it from us. Yes, we'd, we'd love to see you. Uh, I'll be down there doing coverage for GeekGamer.tv. Uh, we already got some interviews lined up with hardware manufacturers, uh, indie game developers. Uh, you know, I love Linux tie-ins because, you know, Linux is free and is awesome. Mm-hmm. I remember from How To Linux. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where there's going to be some down there at the show. And I know Chris will probably get some audio uh, for Tech Talk today, mm-hmm. no doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. And by the way, Chris, yes, um, I don't know. I, I know what time you do Tech Talk today. About 9 a.m. About 9 a.m. And I know that's smack dab in the middle of the press hour yeah, for PAX. So, but but I, don't I, would, do, I don't do Tech Talk on Mondays. No, no, on Friday. Oh. Because I was, I was thinking about maybe Skyping into you. Oh, that would be cool. From the floor. That would be pretty cool. We could give it a try. We should totally do it. Dude. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, at the stop at the top of the Unfilter show, we like to talk about the NSA whenever we have an NSA, NSA update. update. And this first one is is about this mayor. Have you heard? Did you hear about this Salt Lake City mayor who is spying the NSA and I believe even Bush? 
for uh, for the Winter Olympic spine. Now, um, maybe I, I'll back up. I got a couple of clips to play around this, uh, right. but it's it's there was massive surveillance during these Olympics, and and now there's lawsuits of Bruin Chase. What uh, former mayor of Salt Lake City in the United States is taking on former President George W. Bush, his vice president Dick Cheney, and the National Security Agency. Rocky Anderson's lawsuit claims visitors and athletes at the 2002 Winter Olympics uh, in the city were spied on, and that the NSA intercepted their messages, emails, and also phone calls. Well, we can talk to Rocky right now. He does join us uh, live and RT. Thanks very much for coming on to the programme this evening. Um, look, these are very big allegations, aren't they? Um, what proof do you have? Well, the story broke in the Wall Street Journal two years ago, and I've been seeking legal representation. I was mayor of Salt Lake City at the time, and I felt that there are a lot of civil rights organizations that should take this on. Uh, and the time kept elapsing. The statute of limitations was about to run, or may have been about to run. And since then, I've reactivated my bar license, and I decided if nobody else is going to do it, I have to do it, because we cannot stand by and watch this kind of law-breaking, this massive criminality Ow. and incursions oh. on our rights to privacy. And additional information I have has been from a high-ranking person from the NSA. He worked at the NSA during the Olympics, and he's confirmed everything. Hmm. That the government, hmm. basically, for the first time ever, the FBI and the NSA put a surveillance cone over Salt Lake City, an entire geographic area. This was the first never one. Never had a warrant, never had particularized suspicion that anything was going on. And now they do it for the Super Bowl. Hmm. And they scooped up everything. They got the contents of every text message, of every email. And they also do, uh, this is, I, I have not actually seen a lot of reporting on this, but I've read in one circumstance in Seattle from somebody who was doing some reporting in the area that they believe that the Obama administration, when they fly in, they also task the NSA to do the same thing in Seattle. When they uh, came into Seattle, yeah, yeah. they do it. They put like a surveillance dome over the city, and they get. So when you're down in Seattle, they get they're scooping up everything your phone is sending. But wait, how can they do this without a warrant, Chris? Because you know I was under the impression that you know we're able to communicate privately without any issue. That's and adorable, and, he's so adorable. They got the <laughs> metadata of every telephone call. And on targeted telephone numbers, they actually recorded the telephone conversations. Sure. Rocky, considering who you're up against, do you really rate your chances of winning this? Or is this just an attempt to draw publicity to something that you really disagree with? This is what our Constitution and our courts and laws passed by Congress are all about. Uh, of course, I think that we will prevail in this lawsuit. Because the rule of law is at the center, center of our constitutional system in this country. What do you think, Chase? What do you think? I well, mean, he's obviously trying to make a statement. Yeah. And you know what? What will happen is I'll go to trial. And then they'll say, I'm sorry, under the guise of national security, um, yeah, well, we kind of do it, but, uh, you know, it's under national security. And because it's under national security, we and, can't release and, and information. And by the way, the FISA court approved it, so, because, you know, remember, yeah. they rubber stamp about, what, 99.7% of everything, yeah. so, yeah. yeah, sorry, buddy. Yeah, I think you're probably right, although I do kind of appreciate that uh, he is attempting to raise awareness to that one particular, uh, you know, Genesis uh, uh, surveillance dome. One topic that I've covered a lot uh, from a technical standpoint. 
standpoint on TechSnap, and I find continually fascinating as I cover it on Tech Talk today, is cell phone tracking by cops. A lot of times when we think of tracking cell phones, we think of the NSA or the yeah. FBI, but really a local law enforcement is also doing it. And oh. this clip goes into that. It isn't a new tool for law enforcement, but their legality has raised many questions in this post-Snowden era where the public's awareness of state surveillance has been heightened. But the law has been slow in catching up with technology that's constantly shifting seemingly every day. Take, for example, the use of the so-called Stingray, which is just a generic term for a cell phone tracking device which works by pretending to be a cell phone tower. While the authorities are able to geo-target the user that they're actually looking for, they also inadvertently sweep up everybody else, too, in the area. Now enter the Wolfhound. The Wolfhound Pro cell phone detector is an ideal tool to enforce a no cell phone policy. Mm. Handheld and in a ruggedized package coupled with a direction finding antenna that can be used like a Geiger counter so you can find your wow. target indoor detection range wow. of up to 100 feet in a normal By the build. way, that graphic, that sliding graphic, that's from Final Cut. It annoys me. Stop using the stock stuff. Come on. Have some class. Come on. Make it good. Outdoors, it can get up to one mile line of sight. It has an integrated green laser that will pulsate as you get closer to your wow. target. Wow. An integrated vibration. It's a tricorder. As well as a peak hold on the screen. It's small. It's cheap. It ranges under 10000 bucks. Much less expensive. <laughs> that is cheap for that stuff, though. I know, but... Uh, it's probably, Plus, they get grant money. It's cheap. It's only ten thousand. They get that federal funding, so that's true. With a stingray, the which costs over a hundred thousand dollars a piece, uh. the Wall Street Journal reported that local police departments in at least twenty-five states, including Maryland, Indiana, and Florida, already have tens of thousands of dollars worth of these devices called wolfhounds, and sometimes they're called jugulars. Now, <laughs> skirting the law a little bit, since the stingray requires warrants in twelve states, this device doesn't because it's considered a passive tracker, only picking up signals via a small antenna that can even be clipped to your clothing. But similar to the use of the Stingray and other surveillance tools, actual details on how police departments are using wolfhounds remain a guarded secret. But the biggest purchaser of these devices? That would be the DOJ and the DOD and all their sub-agencies like the DEA. While any and all searches of an individual's cell phone without a warrant has been outlawed by the U.S. Supreme Court back in 2014. Devices like the Wolfhound and the Jugular stay ahead of existing laws. In Washington, Manila Chan. That's how we go. Uh, that's how we roll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these cell phones are really just the worst. I, to, I'm really just, just glad that you know they're not spying on me, Chris. right? Because because you, you know I I know that they would have to get a warrant to spy on me. So I mean, of I, course, because uh, because yeah, I'm American. Now, did you wake up this week uh, earlier this week when uh, and hear the news about the stock market just going? Monday was and, so bloody. And were you like, oh, did you have a moment where you were like, no, oh, I boy. Was, no, no. No. Actually, I, to be honest with you, um, when I heard China was manipulating and devaluing their currency recently, just recently. Well, I, I heard, thought, I remember that. And yeah. I was thinking, all right, it's going to be, give it some time and it will correct. And it did. And yeah. it did. Yeah, yeah, it did. Lester? Good evening. A lot of investment portfolios, including retirement nest eggs, shrank today when what? stocks took another stunning fall. And experts warn we may need a strong stomach because this up and down ride is likely not over. So now a lot of the losses have been recovered. But you know what? I actually don't know if I disagree with that statement, even though that's a statement made on the day of the issue. 
Uh, I tend to think that maybe sometimes these kinds of things happen, then we level out, and then that happens again. Right. The trading day started with a dramatic freefall, the Dow dropping over 1,000 points, and after some half-hearted rallies, ended down more than 3.5% off 588 points. That's really, I mean, that was, that's a recovery, though, from a, da- from a low of 10% at one yeah, point. Yeah, but, well, uh, 10,000 points, you mean, or, yeah, 10%, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so back, you know, and, and things recovered, but it seems like the fundamental thing that caused the issue, the Chinese economy, is still an issue. Well, yeah, because China is really trying to tweak this stuff in a positive direction. But any way you try to tweak it, it's still going to be crap. So Mm. you can't tweak crap when it's crap. Ooh, that's wise, Chase. The NASDAQ and S&P down almost 4%. So let's drill down on why this is happening and what all this means to you. We'll bring in Jim Cramer to talk over in a moment. Let's start with CNBC's Carl (laughs) Quintanilla. Carl, walk us through it. Is he going to yell? It was a stunning drop today for a stock market that really hasn't had one in years. But this wasn't about the U.S. economy faltering. It's about the global economy losing steam. It was, by Wall Street standards, an historic drop. The Dow falling by more than 1,000 points at the opening bell. Titans of American business crashing. Home Depot down 20%. General Electric and J.P. Morgan down 21% before recovering. It left economists, traders. The noise this morning created confusion. It created a little bit of chaos. And even CNBC news anchors stunned. Got to make some phone calls because that's these are yeah, you these gotta are, find out whether someone bossed these it. are enormous moves. It's certainly that breathless feeling, you know, when the market started to open down a thousand points. Uh, I think that uh, takes your breath away. By noon, there were signs of stability, but the concerns that prompted the sell-off remain. Some believe stocks have simply gone too long without a meaningful correction. That's Wall Street lingo for a 10% decline from the highs. Some believe stocks are too expensive for a slow-growing economy. The Dow has risen for six straight years. Only once in history did it make it to seven. We used to get a 10% correction often once a year, sometimes even more frequently. That's pretty. That's a pretty common uh, belief, is that yeah. you should have about a 10% correction once a year. You've got to look at the, the long history here. That's and important. we haven't had one in a long while. Yeah. One big concern, the slowing economy in China a big importer of U.S. goods. If it slows down, that means fewer American computers, cars, even fast food being exported. That could mean fewer U.S. jobs and has been weighing on the market for weeks. But today, some reassurance. Apple CEO Tim Cook emailed CNBC's Jim Cramer and said iPhone activations in China are accelerating. Apple closed down 2% after being down 13% at the open. One thing is almost certain, a return of volatility, wider market swings, and for some, even encouragement that markets are coming back to reality. I want to stop right there because I think it's fascinating uh, because we have a really hard time from the outside grokking what's going on in China because we hear so much crap that comes our way. But when you look at the sales of electronics, it shows you something interesting happening to China's middle class. And and China has, you know, such, of course, pot, hello, this is kettle. China has such a, uh, income inequality that oh, it's it's it's, yeah. in, it's it's unfathomable. Yeah. But the middle class is because of the sheer numbers that we're dealing with here is growing at a rate that is so much greater than than the buying populace of the U.S. or really of the West in general. Yeah. That especially with our economies right now, that I think it's interesting that you can still have a contraction in the mo- in the market to some degree. But according to Apple's numbers, they're actually seeing an acceleration in purchases, which would be considered a upper high end middle class item. Yeah. And 
and they're still seeing an acceleration in those purchases. So there is a lot of there is a lot of really interesting dynamics going on in China that I think uh, we in the U.S. really kind of struggle to see the big picture of. And the companies like Apple that do see the big picture are going to make a lot of money. Uh, and uh, I want to talk about something okay. that this clip. I want to shift gears while we're uh, kind of talking about the rest of the world. Let's move out of the U.S. We've been navel-gazing a little bit. Let's go over to the Middle East. Let's talk about ISIS. ISIL, and, Chris. Uh, oh, dash. Um, and this particular clip, it, 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 it pitches this idea like it's the first time we've ever heard this. And uh, I did a little digging, but let's okay. start. Let's go here. We'll go right. here and I'll interrupt. Jalen Delshawn Young. Jalen Young, daughter of a police officer and a Mississippi State University chemistry student who graduated high school with honors. Young is the latest accused female ISIS recruit here in the U.S. She was arrested two weeks ago for allegedly trying to join the terrorist group in Syria. She represents a growing phenomenon, according to the FBI. In a new warning to law enforcement nationwide, the FBI says, quote, some female violent extremists have recently demonstrated an interest in engaging in operational roles to include preparing to carry out attacks in the homeland or traveling to Syria to fight. Something about this feels extremely sexist to me. And so the, the concept is, is, hey, look out, now ISIS is recruiting women to fight. And why, have, why would you want ISIS women to fight? Before, they wanted women to come and be their wives and the mothers of their children. And now what we're seeing is they are luring women and attracting women to come fight. It's, it has the element of surprise. We simply don't expect women to do this. And- Part of this feels like – so I did a little research, and I, I invite you to go to Google yourself. You don't have to do a lot of research. I did a little more than this, but you can just do this. This is the easy one. ISIS recruiting women. And do that Google search and see how many stories you see that go way, way, way back. This is not a, like a new thing like they're pitching here. I, I feel this timing is very peculiar because just a few days ago, maybe it was last Friday um, – did you read about the two women in the United States Army? They joined Ranger mm. School. Yes, and they were uh, they yep. they graduated. Yep, and but still, even though they graduated from the Ranger School, they're not being allowed to join the seventy fifth Regiment uh, to actually you know be be a member of those forces. It's still men only. I find it interesting that now we have this story about women because they want to get in combat roles or whatever the case may be. Yet our army doesn't allow that. Yeah, that is interesting. It's, you know, it's, it's, I, maybe it's just coincidental, but I just find it very weird time. The other thing I find interesting about this particular story is they keep bringing it up and it's not getting traction. This is not the first time we've talked about this. And we're not even talking about high percentages of numbers here. No. I mean, it's a single I, person I, I in this case. I find this so interesting where we are hyper-focusing on this. And remember, this is the, the married couple that she wanted to take her honeymoon and that, that was her cover story. And now they're just talking about her because they're talking about the women aspect and right. they're not even mentioning the fiance right now. Right. And remember, how many people are we talking about here in the United States? How many people are we talking about that are joining ISIS? Yeah, I, I, the the numbers are they say fifty influenced or inspired I sneeze by. fifty. No, I'm just kidding. you know it's like come on. So, but here's what I think it's so. There's a couple of interesting aspects to this story. Yeah. Number one, the women being recruited by ISIS story. We have clips that go back to February that talk about this. Yeah, this has been something they've been trying to get traction on all year, and it's just not taking hold. Second of all, the thing that's, that's kind of odd about this is that they're not even mentioning the fiance or the fact that he was going to join ISIS either. Supposedly, now it's all about how women are joining ISIS. And to me, what this really feels like. Yeah. is it feels like a reverse psychology version of protect the women and children. It's like it's trying oh. to play on the 
um, on the sexist, gotta protect the women, men out there. Well, we can't have women joining ISIS. We have to protect our helpless women. I, I'm, and and they're, they're also playing the angle here of, look at this college graduate, this chemist. Smart. This very smart, yeah. vibrant person, and she's trying to join ISIS. Yeah. And I'm just... And I'm all. I want to know about that story too. I want to know about why. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, why? To, I mean, what could possibly be the motivation? I want to know that why motivation. Would you, like, if you're uh, and think about this, from you like, just graduated from college from a great university. The other thing that is like, I don't it, understand. The it. thing that's just so brilliant about these reports too is they're able to work with such an obvious uneducated populace. Yeah, because somebody that is familiar with these people's religion and how and and these people how they treat women, they, you if you listen to what they're saying, they don't let women do the things they say they're going to go have women do. They don't let them do those things first of all second of all there's no woman that's sitting here in the united states of america going god you know what i'd really like i'd like to wear something completely over my entire body in the middle of the effing desert and i would like to be a slave to a bunch of crazy maniacs there's no no woman especially if you're college educated especially you know this is i just i can't i refuse to accept that this is actually happening and i realize It 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 is it is chris fisher against cnn here but i'm telling you it just doesn't add up the math doesn't make sense of the more than 50 alleged ISIS supporters charged in the U.S. so far this year, at least seven have been women. Wait, Deanna wait. Thomas from... You know who the source wait. for that stat is, by the way? What? CNN themselves. Wait. <laughs> 300 million people live in the United States of yes. America. Correct. Seven women. And, by the way... Wow. That number 50 charged... So this is oh – God, I, this was so great about our show because if you've been listening to our show every week, you know how that vernacular has changed. Yeah. First it was inspired by or directed by ISIS. Yeah. 50 people inspired by or directed by. And just to be inspired by, you just have to follow an ISIS-related account on Twitter. Because <laughs> yeah, if, that's right. Really? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Really? It's true. It's and true. so that's, that was the threshold to say you were inspired by is if you followed an ISIS-related account. All right. So, so Chris. And now it's just 50 charged related to ISIS. They've, right. They're not even saying. Inspired so so by. what's what's the angle here? I mean, what's the ultimate end game? What is CNN trying to prove in, in pushing this story? They're not trying to prove anything in particular. They're just trying to make ISIS out to be the brutal bad guy. And if you make it sound like they're influencing people in the U.S., if you drop the nuance and you can just say, "Well, we're just not dealing with nuance." Oh, I see. So, so, you, so you're saying, well, they they tried the, the men. Uh, they tried blaming social media, and now they're going to try go- saying, "Oh, no, 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 no." No, this this isn't this isn't some penny nickel operation. You can do multiple. Oh, I see. Oh, I know. Once. They're adding more layers and exactly. layers. Exactly. You're not trying. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah, trying no, all yeah. kinds of things over yeah. and over again because you got one media group behind this, another group behind this. I mean, this just it seems like to me, and this is just typical government spending. When you have one that doesn't work, you'd finally give up on it. I, I love Anime's uh, <laughs> comment in the chat room saying, "You know, I don't know. CNN seems more reputable. Uh, they have infographics backing yeah, and they them. They also they also <laughs> put this really dope filter over all ISIS." Yeah. Uh, yep. This is and they give attribution. This this is a filter that they are applying on top of the video to make it worse and make it look more low tech because they are playing to American stereotypes of these Middle right. Easterns. Yeah, they they want normal Americans to feel like oh they they don't have good video. They're just shooting this out of the cave. They're just amateurs. Yeah, this is they hey. they are adding the degraded look to this video. Chris, remember they're the JV team. Remember that. Yeah. Do this. Out of the more than 50 alleged ISIS supporters charged in the U.S. so far this year, at least seven have been women. 
Kiana Thomas from Pennsylvania, who allegedly wanted to become a suicide bomber, and two women in New York arrested for allegedly acquiring bomb-making materials to kill Americans. More than 500 Western women have made it into Syria and Iraq to join terrorist groups, according to one top Australian official. Wait, These- what? Yeah. So, according to a top Australian official. Well, if the official says it, it's true, Chase. Oh so, let's report God. it to all of the American wow. public. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Women in New York arrested for allegedly acquiring bomb making materials to kill Americans. From an FBI agent. More than 500 Western women have made it into Syria and Iraq to join terrorist groups, according to one top Australian official. These three British high schoolers ran away from home last May, recruited by ISIS. We covered that story when it happened, and uh, you will remember that they were directed by government officials. They were even put on planes by government officials. Remember that story? I do. Of the thousands and thousands of foreign terrorist fighters who have travelled to Daesh-controlled areas, as many as 550 are women from Western Europe, from the United States, Australia, New Zealand, and elsewhere. Oh, the she FBI said 550. Says I- yeah. Oh, I thought it was 500. It's 500 from Australia and Europe and 50 from the U.S., but uh. only seven of them are actually women. But remember, we just keep reducing it all down. You don't need the nuance in this stuff. Fair enough. This has tailored some of its slickly produced... Oh, this is another, like, uh, this is what I love, because remember, this isn't ISIS saying it's making these videos for women. This is the Western media saying ISIS is making these videos for women. And because they're with... You know how they know they're videos for women? Because they're giving children candy. States, Australia, New Zealand, and elsewhere. The FBI says... ISIS has tailored some of its slickly produced propaganda videos like this one to target women. Come on. So you're telling me, <laughs> CNN is telling me that if 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 they see uh, ISIS... No, if a woman sees this video. If, if, a woman, if a woman sees an ISIS member giving children candy and then playing in the playground, her ovaries compel her to join ISIS because she's so stupid yep. that her ovaries override her rational thinking. True. She gets in the car, yep. she buys a multi-thousand dollar yep. plane ticket, yep. flushes her entire life, totally. and, and joins ISIS because she saw a video of them giving children candy and playing. Yep. In a playground, absolutely, and, and nobody watching this goes. That seems a little off. Like that, they're asking me to believe a lot right here. Uh, what, what they don't tell you, Chris, is they're also drinking wine at the same time and having some quaaludes. <laughs> Showing young families living a privileged life. They're creating these videos that are a little bit like the Real Housewives of Syria, right? I mean, that you're you get these cars and you go to oh. parks and you have these beautiful children. The reality is that it's brutal and violent, and these women will be the victims of rape and assault. It is a horrible existence and chances are you are going to die. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the reality. That's why it's disgusting that they're even doing this. Now, let's shift gears because we had a real great deal set up with our buddies at Turkey and everything with Turkey and shooting up ISIS members. That's working out super great. The no U.S. Problems. has accused Turkey of not doing enough to fight Islamic State in oh. Iraq and Syria. Oh, darn it. Ankara has already allowed American jets and drones to bomb the militants from a southern airbase. But Washington now says Turkey must do more to stem the flow of ISIL crossing its border. Though this is not the first time the U.S. has thrown accusations at its regional allies. Biggest problem is our allies. What did they do? They poured hundreds of millions of dollars and tens, thousands of tons of weapons. So now what's happening? Everybody's awakened because this outfit called ISIL, which was al-Qaeda in Iraq, found open space and territory in eastern Syria. 
Well, amid the accusations of uh, misguided actions, RT's Lizzie Phelan now reporting on the... You know, that was actually pretty refreshingly honest of Biden. That felt I, good. I, I, I know. And I was just thinking, wait a minute, uh, uh, Vice President, sir, uh, isn't your administration also attributing to this? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I know. I, know. I, 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 yeah. I was like, mine equals yeah. blown. Hey, don't worry, though. They also are contributing to all them drone strikes. An American drone strike has killed the number two leader of the Islamic State savages. That- oh, the Islamic State savages. I love that. I wow. love it. Yeah, that's <laughs> fair and balanced right there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Way to go, Harris. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, with the number two. I love how we keep doing this all the time. We're always killing the number two. Always killing number two. Of the Islamic State savages. That word from just moments ago from the National Security Council. It reports the airstrike targeted that terrorist on Tuesday as he was traveling in a vehicle near the ISIS stronghold of Mosul. That's in northern Iraq. The feds say he was the senior deputy to the Islamic State leader Abu al-Baghdadi. A statement from the NSC now reads in part, quote, a primary coordinator for moving large amounts of weapons, explosives, vehicles and people between Iraq and Syria. He supported ISIL operations in both countries and was in charge of ISIL operations in Iraq, where he was instrumental in planning operations over the past two years. I think she means uh, ISIS. Uh, so we'll have another drone update in just Dash, a moment. But I just think it's always interesting uh, that we're always uh, we're always killing number two. Did you hear about this uh, UK newspaper that is claiming that the U.S. is blocking critical information about how the U.S. got... Um, oh, what's his name? Tony Blair, I believe it was Blair at the time. How they got Blair to go in, go along with the Iraq war. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Here, this clip talks about it. Britain's Daily Mail newspapers reported that Washington is withholding documents that could help explain why Tony Blair decided to invade Iraq while he was British Prime Minister. Following the allegation, RT asked the U.S. State Department whether it's true and received a surprising answer. Ganich Chikan has the story. The British media accused the U.S. government of a cover-up, citing U.S. officials' refusal to release the details of discussions between George W. Bush and Tony Blair in the run-up to the Iraq war. One British newspaper, the Daily Mail, has been trying to get the records released under the Freedom of Information Act for a year now. The paper says many of the files were recently classified. Ah. Here's what the State Department spokesperson said to my question. I bet they're about torture. I bet it's about I bet I bet the Bush administration used torture admission to convince Blair to join the war. And now that we've got all this stuff on Uh torture and we've shown and all this talk about how torture doesn't work. If it comes out that we use torture reports to get them to go along with it, that's going to be a real black mark for the U.S. Huge. The newspaper says the U.S. government has the details of the discussions, but refuses to release them under under FOIA. Do you know why? This is the first I've heard of this, so I don't have anything to add to it. Have you heard about the Chilcot inquiry? I have not. Well, the Chilcot inquiry is a British public investigation into how Tony Blair went along with George W. Bush to invade Iraq. It's commonly referred to as Chilcot inquiry because the chairman of the investigation is Sir John Chilcot. Now, we know they use false evidence to go into Iraq, so it's a pretty good question how they convinced Tony Blair to go with them. The State Department not knowing about this would be surprising considering we know that the release of the inquiry was, for example, discussed by David Cameron and Barack Obama at the White House in January of this year. The investigation is mentioned in several emails addressed to Hillary Clinton in 2009 when she was Secretary of State. Well, this is interesting. So this actually uh, actually says right here in Hillary Clinton's email, the Chillock uh, Inquiry of Parliament publicly conducting hearings on the origins of the U.K. involvement in Iraq invasion has put Bush's war on terror and Bush's involvement on trial. And the calmly conducted but uh, eviscerating hearings will go on for another year. 
Wow. Blair is huh. seen as either complicit in the bias of knowing there was no cause or as an, as an, as an enthusiastically deceived tool. Wow. This is in Hillary Clinton's email. Oh, Those emails man. were recently released under the Freedom of Information Act. One of them says, Britain and Europe are riveted by Chilcot, especially uh, official circles. The objective correlative, of course, is trust in any U.S. administration. So someone at the State Department must know about this, but apparently not the spokesperson. And this is also surprising because the U.S. is key to this investigation because it led the invasion. It is hard to imagine any investigation into Iraq without U.S. cooperation. Uh, I was hoping to ask about the extent of cooperation between the U.S. government and the investigators in Britain, whether they had access to the documents in the U.S. that the media cannot get access to. But there was no point in asking because the spokesperson said he did not know what the Chilcot inquiry was. Yeah, she actually does really good work. Uh, I don't even know how to say her name, but I have to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, out of all of the reporters that uh, we uh, cover on the show, she seems to do a lot of really good digging, and she goes and asks the hard questions yeah, to she, the right she people. She hits it up. Yeah, I good. mean, as far, at least as far as television reporters yeah. go, uh, not so much as far as uh, as news. There's still, I think, some, I think Matt the AP is still a little bit better of a reporter than yeah. she is. But anyways, Chase. Yeah. Hey, before we move on, uh, I wanted to mention our Patreon page because I got some exciting news. Patreon. And, uh, we are thrilled to have 418 people supporting the Unfiltered nice. Show. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. The uh, supporters show is uh, it's something unique. Uh, this week we had a pretty good conversation in there that uh, we wanted to have for you guys. We also had some early exclusives in there. And uh, there are some uh, clips in the supporters sync that are historic and sad. And uh, we also have a massive, massive 2016 archive in there, as well as some interesting scientific clips that don't quite fit in the coverage. But uh, producer Matt's been noticing some interesting science stories, and he's been throwing those in the supporter sync as well. So here's how it works. You go over mm. to uh, patreon.com slash unfiltered, okay, and we have uh, two levels. Wait. You ready, Chase? Yep. Thank you, sir. And uh, there you see we can do a $2 a month plan that'll get you the supporter show, and it keeps us on the air. Got it. And then if you want to kick it up to $5 a month, then you right. see five. No, not, not five. There you go. Yeah, five. You could do five. Nine. You could do 533 if you want to be funny. Okay. Yeah. There you go, 533. There you go. And then once you do the $5 show, that's when you get the supporter sync. Now, I'm going to warn you. Yeah. It's a massive beast. Oh. It is is the accumulative representation of an unbelievable amount of hours every single week that go into this show, and then we deliver it via BitTorrent Sync, and you can help distribute and archive the very source code of the Unfiltered Show. Everything we talk about, overages, extras, additional commentary, crazy news clips, like when we go through and analyze how every single news network covered something, all of that source material is in there. It's great. Plus, the artwork for our show. Oh, yeah. I'm signing it up. Patreon.com slash unfilter. And we would love to get this number up because things... So here's what's going to be happening. Brace yourself. I'm bracing. I I think in September, we're going to actually be recording out of your studio. What? Like late September. Wait, I don't have a studio. Oh, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, (laughs) And so... um, And I'm going to be on the road in my new trailer RV that I picked up this week. <gasps> yeah, I got. You know a, what you should do. I'm gonna convert. You it. should push a Patreon post just for the Patreon supporters uh-huh. of of the new digs. You should show them. The yeah, new I'm digs. going to. Yeah, yeah, it's it's still up at the uh, oh, okay. it's still up at the uh, at the RV place because oh. they're putting new tires on it and stuff. Oh, okay. It's just a trailer. It's a 25 foot trailer that I'm going to convert into a studio. I got an unbelievable deal on it. And uh, wow, you really? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And I, I, I'm, 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 I'm so jealous. So, uh, so uh, the I plan is, you know, it's just only planned right now, but the plan is in September I'm going to go on the road for a few days. By a few days, I mean like half a month. And uh, <laughs> and do the shows from the road. So I'll be Skyping into your studio. That's right. And you could be, you'll be running and switching the buttons and pushing the buttons and stuff. 
Uh, and so that'll be a fun batch of episodes. But there is some gear I want to get. So if everything works out, there's a couple of pieces of gear I want to get to make the connectivity possible. All right. There is a Wi-Fi booster that you put up on the antenna. Or I mean, you start, I'm sorry, you put up on the roof. I, I really don't think the Wi-Fi from here is going to boost all the way. No, but this thing is unbelievable. Somewhere, it, is, it is incredible the Wi-Fi it can pick up. So if there's any open Wi-Fi networks around the trailer. Wait a minute. You're not going to take someone else's Wi-Fi, Chris. I would, to do this show. <laughs> uh, but no. You're going to pull an NSA. That's one thing I want to get. You're pulling an NSA. The number two thing, though, is uh, you've probably seen these. There are units that pick up all 4G signals for all all carriers. Yeah, LiveView use them. Yeah. yeah. There are, uh, and it will rebroadcast the signal and amplify it by, like, a lot yeah. inside the trailer. Yeah. And so I put an antenna up on the roof of the trailer, Boom. and then it pulls in all 4G signals and then and then rebroadcasts them, and then I use, it has a, uh, as a booster that I can conduct. So my idea, my plan is to get these two pieces of equipment. They're three hundred dollars each. Oh, pl- well, they're like four hundred dollars each plus installation. Oh, which, wow. Yeah. So I'm probably going to be looking at like nearly a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars all said and done if I can do it. If I can't do it, I'm basically going to just try running off of the gear I got because yeah. I don't. I do not have the money out of pocket to do that. But th- I would love to get uh, as much support as we can. If Essentially, as much support as you guys can provide us is going to make sure that the, the more support we get, the better the show is going to be on the road. Yeah. I will do it from one way or another, and maybe we, you know, if we don't have great connectivity, maybe we just bump the show a couple of days so I'm somewhere where we have good connectivity. But if I can equip this thing, yeah. then then it's something I can do every time I go on the road. And so, uh, what I would like to say is, if you if you want to keep this show going when we're on the road and want to be just a part of that. We will continue to try to deliver a show regardless if you guys step up or not. But if you want to try to make it so it's real smooth while we're going, patreon.com slash unfilter. If we could get those numbers up to a point where I could maybe put a little bit of money on a credit card or something. so Because I, I want to leave in September. I don't, know how all the, I don't know how all of this can work out. We'd have to have people jump on pretty quick. Yeah. It might not be doable. But we have 418 now. It'd well, be the great good news if, is if, like, if, if they get on board within the next, you know, three or four days, yeah. it'll, it'll generate for September. Be, so, if we can yeah, get that to awesome. like four thirty or something like that, that's a pretty good sign that we're going to keep going that direction. We'll just keep moving forward. Uh, I would love it. I don't know. Uh, either way, I'm going to bring I'm going to bring a Ting phone with me, and I'm going to have I don't know. I'll probably bring some other carrier with me. I don't know which one yet. Well, Ting is on T-Mobile now and, with GSM and CDMA, so yeah. I'm going to have one on both because I've got. You need to get a, a Project Fee phone too. <laughs> Maybe yeah. So, but I'm going to have a CDMA phone and a GSM phone. But I would you know and 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 but the the thing is is these boosters can take uh, these boosters. I've been I mean. Trust me when I say I've been doing a lot of research. Uh, these boosters can take like uh, one or two bars and and really make the it can it can give you you know that could be the difference if you have like where, where you normally get like one bar this thing could give you a full signal yeah it can really boost it up and it yeah. and and that for data connectivity doing live streaming is going to be the difference between being able to have connection back to the studio or not yeah it's one of those things that um, I know audio obviously would take a lot less bandwidth to do but yeah pushing video that's gonna be that's gonna be a fun one. well this show is audio yeah. So well, we do uh, have the, the video clips that go. Well, in the that's what you're. Feed. But you're going to be back at the studio, right? You're going to be. You'll see. So you could be pushing buttons. We'll still have a studio. I just. I, we basically, we're going to swap roles for a yeah. little while, yeah. and uh, and then um, uh, uh, the only variable will be well, how is good? How good is my connectivity on the road? Yeah, to me. And I'm going to be driving down Highway Two, so I don't. You're taking Highway Two all the way to Noah's house. Wow. Yeah. I, I figure Montana and North Dakota There's are There's a gonna, lot of two-lane highways of the trailer. People are not going to be happy with you. No. They're not going to be happy. No. 
Honk, honk. Honk if you listen, listen to me. You know what you should put on the back of the RV. You should listen to me on Jupiter. I, I totally should. You, you got to do uh, that. Meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. If you live anywhere near Highway 2 and want to do a meetup while I'm driving between the Pacific Ocean and Grand Forks, North Dakota, go sign up at meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. And as we are moving along, we'll be uh, doing meetups. Wow. That, that's going to be a fun journey, man. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, do, I'll give you some local news reports as I catch them. Uh, I've got an over-the-air antenna on the rig, so I'll be able to pick nice. up local Watch news broadcasts. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And so I'll be collecting that, and uh, gosh, I I really, really hope, because the other thing is, like, the thing I'm a little freaking out about is the show prep itself, because that's really the most work of the show. Yeah. Doing the show, like, needs continuous connectivity, and that's a different type of challenge, but just, like, doing the prep for the show. And like, don't forget, you just got to drive, too. Yeah, well, I'm going to have, I'm going to have a co-host or somebody. I'm going to have, I'm going to figure that out. Yeah. I'm going to, yeah, I won't be the only person doing the driving, but. Oh, okay. Um. I really think it'd be a good idea if I got a Wi-Fi signal booster and a, and a, a LTE booster in there because I I think it's going to be real hit and miss on my connectivity and because wouldn't it suck like to get somewhere to have connectivity but not have been able to do any show prep right like, yeah then what's the point of being able to do a show so uh, yeah yeah I know Jack I was thinking about the ham license thing too yeah honk if you have a Wi-Fi hotspot that's good system T <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, awesome I'll be yeah I'll be stopping at every Wi-Fi to hit their wi- to get every McDonald's to get their Wi-Fi and I'll be stopping at every Cabela's to dump my black tank and I'll be stopping at every Walmart to sleep along the way oh man <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be a bunch of urban boondocking and uh, yeah it should be a lot of fun hopefully man. I don't con- get converted to ISIS along the journey you mean ISIL yeah that's right to IS dash. Yeah. All right, so uh, there's a story that we have been watching that is, out of everything else, the biggest shame of our time. And, and that is that we couldn't make it work with Russia, that we had to go this, down this route of making another Cold War, that it has to be this way. And that we have to take everything that's happened and twist it in our own unique way. And uh, I think this funny now because here we are, and to me, doing this show from the beginning, it kind of feels like the U.S. and, and the West have been kind of aggressive. Yeah. I mean, Russia, obviously— has made some moves. They they came in uh, to Crimea like like a boss, and they turned that thing around in their direction faster than anybody expected. But that's because they had the local popula- populist opinion. Right. Also, it's fairly well documented that the United States had a pretty big hand in toppling over the established Ukrainian government. I'm off laughing. This is what I'll say. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> So it's not exactly a big secret that the U.S. is just as guilty, if not guiltier, than Russia and all of this. So that's why I always love when U.S. officials pin all of it, all of it, on Putin's aggression. The president's Pentagon chief is using language rarely heard since the end of the Cold War in assessing the threat Russia poses to the U.S. Correspondent Kevin Cork tonight from the presidential vacation compound on Martha's Vineyard on the possibility of a new Cold War. Russian President Vladimir Putin, submersible rides to the depths of the Black Sea are both a subtle message to his countrymen and a stern warning to the West. Hey, I don't know if you remember, uh, but uh, this is a great callback to last week's episode. They're showing the uh, stock footage that I made you guess at the, at the end. Yeah. So now they're showing they're showing the footage of That's Putin. That's awesome. Look at like, there, there's the there's the uh, here's it starts here. There's the shot of him getting in the sub. There they're using that clip. They're using the clip we played last week. That's great. The depths of the Black Sea are both a subtle message to his countrymen. And a stern warning to the West that Russia still sees itself through a Cold War lens oh. as one of the world's two remaining superpowers. One of the world's two remaining superpowers. Oh, China, don't look over. Just two. For a quarter century or so uh, since the end of the Cold War. This is Ashton Carter, the defense secretary. We have not regarded Russia as an antagonist. 
Vladimir Putin's Russia behaves in many respects as in, in some respects and in very important respects as an antagonist. That is new. Defense Secretary Ash Carter warned that Russia's behavior could send the world hurtling headlong into a Cold War redux. Russia's behavior. Under Vladimir Putin, Russia's annexed Crimea and invaded Ukraine, aggressively engaged U.S. military aircraft and warships, and is suspected of widespread hacking attempts of U.S. assets. What I find interesting is we're talking about the scale of conflict with a, with a nation that has a nuclear arsenal. And we're talking about dealing with really another real, true, genuine world power here. And in these four boxes, you have uh, Crimea, you have uh, U.S. Uh, airplanes getting buzzed during air games, and you have cyber hacking. Uh, these boxes are all based on our version and our spin of things. Let's start with the cyber hacking. That's an easy one. There's never been any concrete attribution from a government official in the Obama administration. It's always been leaks and affirmations and implies. It's never been an actual lockdown. Let's talk about Crimea. I think you could argue a lot of ways that Crimea went the way that the Crimean people wanted, and that, of course, it went the way that Russia wanted it, and it would have been, any other way would have cost Russia billions of dollars and they would have lost that port. That would have been a really big frickin' deal. But again, you look at the way that looks. Now, let's talk about buzzing U.S. planes. Well, yeah, Russia's buzzing U.S. planes because NATO is doing a bunch of military exercises. Now, Russia responds by doing military exercises, so we respond by doing military exercises, but all you have to do is look at the history. The first nation that did the buzzing and the first military exercise was the U.S. It wasn't Russia. So you can't really call them the aggressor there because we made the first move and then they responded like any superpower would. Add a massive nuclear arsenal and Pentagon leaders say you've got all the ingredients for big trouble. So if you want to talk about a nation that that could pose an existential threat to the United States, I'd have to point to Russia. And if you look at their behavior, it's nothing short of alarming. Alarming like partnering with Iran, another world antagonist to whom Moscow just announced the sale of four S-300 defense missile systems. That's an opportunity for the Russians to sell. Go, KT. The Iranians look at it and they say, you know, we're now in the new world. We have access to buying military equipment. We want to get the best. The Russians are willing to sell us. Former you- Did she just say Russians have the best equipment? Uh, so the other thing that's <laughs> they're not really telling you is she makes it sound like, oh, well, Iran is going and buying guns and, and, uh, and missiles from Russia. Right. Yeah, you want to see where the real heyday is? You should see all of the businesses that are talking to Iran right now after this deal, before the deal's even looked at and signed by Congress, we have so many businesses that are setting up plans right now with Iran, especially, especially coming from the EU. Like, it's a bonanza! And so the fact that we're nitpicking that they're buying some missiles now that these deals are done, it completely overlooks the billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars that U.S. and European corporations are currently negotiating with Iran. U.S. Secretary of State Henry Kissinger says it's the U.S. that needs to change the way it engages Russia. And by the way, all of those deals, all of those business deals, yeah. that's why That's why I, I'm willing to put it in the red book. The Iran deal happens. There's no way it doesn't happen because who actually runs this country? It's business, right? It's what do you, what do you always say on this show, Chase? Show me the money! It's the money that runs the country. This money's already happening. It's already flowing into Iran. The money's already coming out. People are buying stuff in there. I'm telling you, I put it down in the book right now. I'm putting the, it in. The, the The Iran deal will happen one way or another, despite the regardless of the fight, because of the business. The money is already being spent. Now, here's what I thought was particularly interesting. Henry Kissinger. Uh, you should Google him if, you're, if you don't know, if you recognize that name, but you don't know who he is because we could do an entire episode on him. Henry Kissinger says that uh, the U.S. 
uh, actually, the entire I should play the whole thing. Hold on, I'll play this and I'll play the rest of it because the rest of what Henry Kissinger said was really fascinating. It needs to change the way it engages Russia, not the other way around. In an interview with the National Interest, the 92-year-old Nobel Peace Prize winner said, breaking Russia has become an objective for U.S. officials. The long-range purpose should be to integrate it. That's right. A post-Cold War wish for a relationship that seems to be reliving the past. Now, I want to stop right there. See if I can find this other Kissinger comment, because I thought it was particularly good. Uh, I think I put it in the overtime folder, so just give me a second, because I've got to jump in there. Sure. Uh, into, the, into the overtime folder. Let's see. I don't see it. Now, it's somewhere in here, though. But so Kissinger, uh, Kissinger's full statement on it was, uh, was, a, was, a lot, was a lot more than just uh, that we should try to integrate with Russia and not fight them. It was more along the lines of... Uh, uh, the idea that, uh, oh, man, it was so good. It was basically, it was a Kissinger's way of saying stuff, some of the same things we've been talking about. I wonder if I just searched for it. How do you spell Kissinger, Chase? Do you know? Uh, K-I-S-I-N-G-E-R? Or is it two S's? Yeah, no, that's something. Here we go. Let's see. No, it's, uh, yeah, no. It's somewhere in there. Here's what I would tell you to the unfiltered supporter. Uh, go dig around in there. It's a Russia Today clip, and uh, it is—it's uh, fascinating what his entire what his entire stance was on it. Maybe I—I you know, I could have sworn it was in here somewhere, but oh well. Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe this is it right here. Let me see. If you look at how- yeah, this is it. So here, I'll play this bit because this is a good bit. So this is a little recap of how the media talks about Russia, and then I'll jump ahead in the clip to the Kissinger stuff. Now, mainstream U.S. media has been covering Russia as of late. You'll find many different things. Russia, the most dangerous threat to the United States today. More than ISIS, more than China. Russia launched a sophisticated cyber attack against the Pentagon's joint staff unclassified email system. The situation in Ukraine, which is pretty easy to understand you it's easy to understand chase the yeah majority totally of the ukrainian easy. people who want to move towards europe the majority of the ukrainian people they want to move towards europe this is easy to understand this is on fox sunday this is easy the majority of the ukrainian people who want to move towards europe you have the crooks and spooks in russia um who don't want to let that happen the crooks and spooks in russia how do you like that one well of now uh of course it is easy to explain if you a have never been there b do not know the history of the region. All right, I'm going to jump ahead here to uh, Henry Kissinger, uh, who is uh, the former national security. Well, just go Google him. Just do me a favor and Google him. Here's what he actually said here. Uh, so the, the whole the whole context, you only get one part in the Fox News report, but here's what he actually said. is uh, magazine uh, and actually voiced what could have been done to avert uh, the tragedy happening now in Ukraine. So one has to analyze how Ukraine crisis occurred. That's how he yeah. talks. Uh, he said that one has to analyze how the Ukraine crisis occurred. It's not conceivable that Putin spent 16 billion euros on turning a summer resort into a winter Olympic village in order to start a military crisis the week after a concluding ceremony. Now, that is what I said. If you remember, we covered it on this show. It was the Olympics, and then boom, yep. the whole thing happened. Yep. Henry Kissinger says it's not conceivable that Putin spent 60 billion euros on turning a summer resort into a winter Olympic village in order to start a military crisis the week after concluding the ceremony. Exactly. The U.S. used Putin's distraction in the Olympics to make their move. The whole reason it happened around the Olympics is because dude had his eye off the ball. And we made, we took advantage of the opportunity. Boom. That's why it happened yeah. around the Olympics. Makes There's sense. no, that is no coincidence. It is no coincidence that the week after the Olympic ceremony, all of this stuff started happening in Ukraine. Mr. Kissinger also went on to say that one should at least examine the possibility of some cooperation between the West and Russia in a militarily non-aligned Ukraine. Because the crisis is turning into tragedy, 
because of its confusing long-range interests of global order. Because of its confusing long-range interests of global order. With the immediate need of restoring Ukrainian identity. And when you read that Muslim units are fighting on behalf of Ukraine, the sense of proportion has been lost. It means that breaking Russia has become an objective. This is something which uh, could... This is tragic. We are using Muslim fighters in Ukraine to fight against the either Russian separatists or whatever right. you want to call yeah. them. We're, we're, we're bringing these same terrorists now into Ukraine to do this. Wow. It's just, it's just, it's just awful. Yeah. It's just, it's just disgusting. Let's talk about something less disgusting. Okay. Let's talk about uh, a Red Book prediction of yours that may be coming truer mm. sooner than later. Oh. You may be getting ready to put a date on this next Red Book prediction, Mr. Chase. President Obama giving Vice President Joe Biden his blessing to launch a presidential campaign. <laughs> yeah, uh, let me, let me open up this book here, Chris. Uh, hold on. I'm, uh, so, President Obama giving Biden his blessing. All right, let's see here. All Senior right. Democrat telling oh. CNN's Jeff Zeleny oh. that the president and vice president discussed a potential run over lunch today. They had a lunch, Chase. Oh. They had oh, a lunch. What? Did they have beer? I don't know. I don't know. But they, they talked about it. Did they talk about my Red Book prediction of episode 151 that I said Biden would run for president? Hmm. 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 That he would be a late entry? Hmm. Hmm. And that it would be Hill versus Biden? Well, I have a Red Book edition. I think I know who the VP is going to be for Biden. And tonight, the buildup continues. The vice president meeting with two of the president's former top advisors to discuss a 2016 run. Joe Johns is live at the White House. Joe, so what are you hearing about this meeting going on tonight at Biden's residence? Are they talking about a run? That's a good question, of course, and they're not giving us any information about what they may be talking about. However, this is a trusted circle the vice president is meeting with, including Anita Dunn, the former White House communications director, Bob Bauer, the former White House counsel, and uh, the third person is Ted Kaufman, the former Delaware senator who is also a trusted advisor to Joe Biden. All of this information coming from CNN's Jeff Zeleny. We're talking about the run-up. Uh, the long investigation of the choices of the vice president. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, so let's stop right so, there. So, Chris, you're 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 going to say that the VP candidate. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. I'll play this clip and then I'll make my prediction. All right. A private meeting sparks more speculation about whether the vice president plans to run for president. Joe Biden and Senator Elizabeth Warren met this weekend in Washington. Ah. Uh- <laughs> right? Come on, tell me that's not something people would vote for. The meeting wow. with Warren, who is very popular with the most liberal wing of the Democratic Party, is fueling more reports about the possibility of a Biden run. Senior political correspondent Mike Emanuel is Washington with more on that. Mike. <laughs> hey. John, good afternoon. Joe Biden has run for president twice before. <laughs> I love that stat. And his political future has become a hot political story here in the final days of August. Uh The vice president meeting with Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren over the weekend created even more buzz. Many liberals have been urging Warren to get into the 2016 presidential race. Funny thing about Warren, Chase. But she has held off doing so. Warren has also not endorsed anybody running for the White House. Now, isn't that interesting? She She hasn't endorsed the first woman running for president of the United States. Maybe she's saving that endorsement for somebody Mm. else. It's not clear when the vice president will announce a decision, but a senior advisor for Draft Biden 2016 says if he runs, being in Nevada on a... Uh, Do you know when he needs to be? Do you know when? when So we need to know if Biden's in the race by a certain day. October 13th. 
Now, do you know why? Is that the filing deadline? Would be critical. Having him on that debate stage is an important part part of the campaign. First Democratic debates right there. Fair enough. And if you're going to be a player, you got to be in the game by that point. Oh, oh, oh. Should we make a prediction if they're going to ask a question about the emails of the debate? Because <laughs> they will. Oh, you think? Don't jump ahead. Don't jump ahead. All right. I got one more clip for you before we get out of the Biden stuff. Uh, actually, I'm with WWNSX. You know, remember, we already saw that D's Nuts is polling. That's true. All right. So I got a, that's in the show notes if you missed that last week. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, this next clip is, is uh, your buddy, my good, good friend, friend Josh. Uh, ah, he's Josh. up on the, sto- on the podium. Yeah. And, uh, What's he, he talking about? Uh, he kind of puts his foot in his mouth and uh, the ABC reporter catches him. The president has indicated uh, his view that the decision that he made, uh, I guess, uh, seven years ago now to add Joe Biden to the ticket as his running mate was the smartest decision that he had ever made in politics. Uh, And I think that should give you some sense of the president's view of Vice President Biden's aptitude uh, for uh, the top job. So I assume that means the president would support Vice President Biden if he were to run him. This is obviously a better decision than the Secretary of State he chose. uh, (laughs) See how he did that? He Uh, caught the fact that essentially what he's saying is this is the best decision that he's ever made politically. Well, then, if it's the best decision he ever made, by its very definition, that means Hillary wasn't. This is obviously a better decision than the Secretary of State he chose. So, uh... You said it was his best, the best decision he'd made. So. Yeah, it was. It was. And yeah, I yeah. Think with the, yeah. Uh, but the you can't forget. Spoke, uh, at quite some length uh, about the appreciation, respect, and admiration he has for the service of Secretary Clinton, particularly uh, in her four years as Secretary of State. Hello, everybody. Well, again, yeah. I, I think all of you and, the, and your coverage of some of the, the president's comments about Secretary Clinton. You know how really, much dick he sucked. Uh, how warm those comments were. Uh, I'll just say that, you know, the uh, the vice president is somebody who has already run for president twice. (laughs) Uh, He's been on a national ticket through two election cycles now, both in 2008 and in the reelection of uh, of 2012. And uh, so I think you could make the case that there is probably no one (laughs) uh, in American politics today who has a better understanding uh, of exactly what is required to mount a successful uh, national (laughs) presidential campaign. He's going to go. He's going. I told. I, I made the prediction. You did. I know. I think I you were the first go. to call it. You were yeah. the first to call yeah. it. All right. Yeah. The chat room has been asking for it. Uh, I, we got to talk. It's funny. Like I almost feel bad for talking about Donald Trump, but they want it. They want it. And it is. It is fascinating because he's going to be gone. Yeah. You go back to Univision. Just go back. Yeah. Just go back. You know he's going to be gone. Chase. Build he's, a wall. Just build a wall. <laughs> and, and and you're going to be good. You know. Just build a wall. He's going to be, he's, uh, you know, Donald Trump, I say, let's see, so today is... Uh, when is he out by, August Chris? 26th. When is he out? When is he out? When does he leave the election? Uh, he won't, well, geez, I don't know if he's when he's out, but I bet, oh boy, there's no way... Are gonna, you going to make an independent prediction yet? Is he, we're gonna is have, he going... The yeah. audience is going to have to, re, the audience is going to have to hold us to this, because there's no way we're going we're to remember to go back and check on this. Uh, uh, yeah. Are you ready, though? Well, yeah. I say by this time next year... Well, that's... That, wow, that's really late. That's after like so many primaries. Yeah, no, that's too no, late. That's too, too late. That's too late. That's too late. Yeah, that's why I stopped myself. After the first Super, I gotta tu- think about after this. Super Tuesday? I got to think about this. All right, fair enough. I we'll we'll chew on it. Here's what it all comes down Just to. Just go down to the wall. Actually, this maybe we could talk about it after we play these clips because I think this actually uh, I think this actually makes some sense. The reason why he the reason why it seems like he's doing so well right now is because he's disproportionately being covered by the media. And this first clip covers that. They just cover me like anybody else where they go the next day and they show a little clip every time i speak it has to be live it's not it's ridiculous 
<laughs> Donald Trump at that big rally Friday night in Mobile, Alabama. And I don't think he was all that upset about it. But Fred Francis, if Trump is on again and again and again, because a couple days earlier, he gave a presser and a town hall meeting in New Hampshire. All three cable news networks, news networks covered that same thing uh, in Alabama. Are the media giving him a big fat gift worth zillions of dollars? Yes. Yes. Trump makes news. Listen, the media reporters, we, we, we cover lottery winners who win millions of dollars. We, we cover train wrecks. No. Donald Trump is both. Okay, he's, he's <laughs> a winner and he's Wait, a train wreck. How is he a train wreck? Remember, I worked in the TV ratings for 10 years. Yes, sir. The reason why that they're covering Trump is because people are watching. And you yep. know what? And if you know what eyeballs mean, Chris? Money! Cha-ching! Yeah. That's what uh, it means. That's why the Fox uh, debates got the... So, so they're using Trump. They don't care. He's leading the Republican you, presidential field. Well, if you listen to you his You may speech, not like what he says. Yeah, but, well, I actually don't like what he says, but that's not the point. The point is he makes news. He's fresh. Every day he has something fresh to say. Now, this is... There is some truth <clears throat> to this. As a person who's covering news, you want the news story. You want the fresh stuff. And uh, uh, yesterday's, you're not going to talk, you're not going to sit there and talk about yesterday's stuff. And if somebody's giving you new stuff every single day, that's the essence of what being a journalist is and covering something fresh. It's not an, it's in fact, it's not. He would do an interview with a high school newspaper. Okay. <laughs> that's how, that's how proactive he is. And, okay. and that's news. And, and I, I partially agree with Fred Francis because mm-hmm. by being provocative, by being entertaining, by being accessible, um, Trump has sort of had, knows how to master the news cycle. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a gift. It's, it's something that other candidates could learn from Trump on how to become more newsworthy figures. Sure, by being Trump. And as the Fox News debate proved with 24 million mm-hmm. people tuning in, he is great for business. You're going to get more eyeballs huh. if you put him on the screen. Awful. And just as a, you know, an example of that, I called my mom uh, this week, talk, chatting with her, and she's like, okay, honey, uh-huh, uh-huh, gotta go, Trump's on. <laughs> and she doesn't even like him, she, but she, she had to like watch him, it. But she has to watch yes. it. You know, I was on uh, the Kelly file one night, and the setup for my informed commentary was nine minutes of sound from what Donald Trump had said that day. Like, no other candidate gets no, that. No. Also, t- today, uh, he phoned into this week and faced the nation. He gets to <laughs> phone into shows. <laughs> candidates don't usually get that. Um, so is television news starting to distort the coverage here? Obviously. Uh, no, no, not at all. Actually, we're being fair and balanced yeah. in our coverage. Uh, so uh, this, is, uh, this is why I think once this phenomenon fades out, once he stops paying in, are paying out, I should say, to the media, uh, I think he'll pretty quickly fall behind. No. Well, here's why I, I kind of disagree with you. He was kind of, in my opinion, starting to drop off a little bit after the debate. And what happens is he throws a little shot at Megyn Kelly again. Mm-hmm. Then uh, he has a scene with the Univision reporter. So I think what will happen is when Trump starts seeing him, his his coverage cart start to lag a little bit, He'll stir up another controversy. He'll stir up some weird off-the-wall comment or weird hmm. tweet yeah. to to inject himself back into the discussion. Yeah. He's definitely playing a very unusual yet smart marketing campaign. Uh, it's not going to give him the win. So what do you think? What? When, is, when does he drop out? It's tough because, honestly, I thought he was going to drop out when he was had to release his financials, and he didn't. Yeah, that and, was a while ago. I know. And so I'm in this cloud of unknown with this guy yeah. uh, because he's still staying in there. And I think, honestly, and, and, and there's no proof behind what, I, what I'm about to say. There's no conspiracy theory. Maybe it's just a hunch or whatever. However, 
I think maybe he secretly – remember, he spent a lot of years as a quote-unquote Democrat, right? A lot of years as a quote-unquote Democrat. Ooh, Chase, did you yeah. bring in a bacon-bacon cheeseburger from Jack in the Box? I did. This with, bacon with the, with is, the buttery bun and everything? This bacon here is mostly bacon bits with uh, some uh, not-so-well-cooked strips of bacon along the top. And more bacon. Um, and extra bacon. But I think what he's doing is he's intentionally trying to tank the Republican ticket. Uh, because he, think? well, here's what's going to happen. He's going to get, you know, he won't get the nomination. There's no way in hell he's going to get the nomination because he's not going to get the actual delegates. And then he's going to run as an independent. And what happens is when he runs as an independent, he's going to pull all the votes away from the Republican side, and a Democrat will win because mm. maybe secretly that's he's not what he wants. Make it I don't. I, I think this guy is so full of himself. He thinks he's smarter than everybody else in the room, and he thinks he's going to make the best deals. He thinks he's going to get in there. And he thinks he's going to win. Uh, I think that's why he's doing it. I all think. Right. I think he thinks he's. The, uh, he's the biggest winner in the room. I am the most fabulous whiner. I do whine because I want to win. And that's why he, I think he really believes that. I want to win. I think he thinks he really is. I am the most fabulous whiner. I think that's... He wants to disrupt. Yeah. Um, and, and so... Uh, <clears throat> that's, why, that's why, since he says he wants to win, and if he doesn't get the nomination for the Republican Party... He'll run as an independent, which means a Democrat will be in the White House. I don't think so. I think that's when he bails. You think he'll bail? Yeah, I think he bails when when it when it gets to the point where he has to run independent. And then he uh, then he uh, so so here's the thing. Then does he endorse anybody? How can he endorse? He's already crap talked on everybody. Yeah, I don't know. How do you do that? I can't answer. I can't answer that part. I can't. I can't tell you that. But I think when he ha- when it gets to the point, uh, I think when it gets to because you know because here's the problem is he basically. He has said it, He has said that he he has the opinion that uh, just about everybody in the race is. Uh, and then he apologized like a little baby, like a disgusting little weak, pathetic baby. Yeah, he thinks everybody's pathetic babies. So I mean, you can't really endorse anybody. But I think he'll say for the better of the party, I'm going to I'll drop out. That's that's. But we'll see. Uh, let's talk about your good friend, my good buddy, your, for, your good pal, uh, Hillary Clinton. Oh, Hillary. And uh, there's an interesting thing that happens now in politics, and you guys know about it. You just don't know how it works. And so I'm actually really glad that somebody decided to look into this. Uh, but when, when, when somebody decides, you know, I'm going to run, then, like, the opposing party begins doing, like, a massive search for dirt on that candidate, right? We all know it happens, that there's right. research terms, oh, yeah. the teams out there that go out and find the they dirt. They find the dirt. And so there was actually a CNN reporter that went and figured out how they're doing it at the uh, Clinton Library for Hillary Clinton. It's a, it's a semi-longish clip, but it's fascinating because both the right and the left do this. And I, the first time I ever saw this is I saw a big dossier that went around on McCain that was based on some of this research. Right. Uh, the, the Democrats did it uh, before, and it's, it happens all the time now. It's a fascinating part of the dirty aspect of American politics, and it also it reveals what a massive machinery is around digging up these controversies. And the, right now, the RNC is, is sitting on statements by Hillary Clinton about immigration that could burn her, and they're choosing not to release them because they're keeping them as, like, secret weapons for use later on. It is a massive system, and this is a little bit of a deep dive into it. All right.
Here in the United States, the Republican Whoa. National Committee is building up its arsenal against uh, Democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. According to a new report in the Daily Beast, one lone staffer is now charged with combing through the archives at the Clinton Presidential Library in Little Rock, Arkansas, looking for any contradictions or embarrassments from the candidate's past. It's a rather tedious task. Out of roughly 750 boxes, the RNC staffer is only allowed to go through one box at a time. From that one box, he's only allowed to look at one folder at a time. <laughs> Can you believe that? How annoying is that, right? Wow. That folder, he's only allowed to look at one <clears throat> page at a time. Yikes. All of his activity is monitored by a library staffer as well as closed-circuit uh, camera. I'm going to just play that back one more time because it's kind of important for the rest of the story. Wow. At a time, from that folder, he's only allowed to look at one page at a time. So one box at a time, one page at a time from that box, and one from one folder at a time. All wow. of his activity is monitored by a library staffer as well as closed-circuit uh, cameras. Jackie Kucinich is the senior politics editor for The Daily Beast. She's here with me right now. She wrote this article. Jackie, thanks very much for coming in. Thanks for having me. Uh, how'd you get this idea to go down? You actually went down a little. How'd you get this idea to do reporting? Like, you actually went on location and went to this place that I we mean, all know uh, about? I mean, how'd you, uh, what made you think about being a journalist? You know, uh, you know maybe uh, she could get the idea to go down to the records where all of the congressional uh, insider trading uh, is recorded in that room. And she could do some reporting <laughs> down there, too. What an idea. You could just go to these places and take notes on what people are doing? Do you drive or did, did you, you fly or did you take a helicopter? Tell me more about this. Article, Jackie, thanks very much for coming in. Thanks for having me. Uh, how'd you get this idea to go down? You actually went down to Little Rock and watched what was going on. Well, I was actually curious how they were digging up all this dirt on Hillary Clinton because you get everybody uh, who's in politics gets the emails, you see some of the stuff that they pulled. And I was just kind of curious who they had stationed there to, to go pouring through the research. And so I went down there and I followed the staffer around for a couple days and just got to see how he did his work. And it is a very tedious process. The National Archives and the library have some very strict rules, and he was always very careful about following them and explained them to me, so I didn't run afoul of the rules when I was there. And it, it really is what he's going through, box through box. He wants to go through all 750 very deliberately to find anything from Hillary Clinton's days as First Lady that they might be able to use against her in this campaign. It's called opposition research. Indeed. And all campaigns uh, almost all campaigns, I should say, mm -hmm. do that. I got a statement from the RNC. We found a lot of useful stuff. We know what we're looking for and who we are look at and who we are looking at. It's a piece of the larger engine. When Isn't that kind of creepy a little bit? So creepy. Yeah. They say useful stuff. What does that mean specifically? So is, there, is there like something that has already been released or are they holding it to see what happens down the road? It's a little bit of both. He's found things that have turned around and become uh, become press releases, become attacks. It depends on what's in the news. Um, when I was there, he found an old statement by Hillary Clinton that was an interview from back in her days at, for, as First Lady. That's something you couldn't find on Nexus. That looked like Nexus is a uh, system they have where you can go through and search for records of when people said something oh, and on air and all okay. kinds of it's a really it's like a kind of system that if we had access to it, it'd be baller like she was contradicting some of the remarks she's currently made on immigration he sends that off to the rnc and they haven't used it yet so we'll see when they use it they they flag it to the necessary teams this is a huge operation and he is just a part of it um and so whether they use it's really up to them obviously whether they use it right away or whether they hold it for the general election we didn't get a statement from from the, uh, the Clinton campaign, we did get one from a pro-Clinton group uh, saying this, if Republicans think their time is best spent rehashing the false attacks their own party planted in the age of MC Hammer, <laughs> instead of, say, improving Whoa. the GOP's extreme positions, their priorities are misplaced. 
place. But every presidential candidate should assume that the whether the same party or the opposite party people are going through almost everything they did in their public life. Well, one of the most interesting things about this is the RNC, this, this effort, was born out of what American Bridge did uh, when Mitt Romney was running. Which is a pro-democratic. Which is a pro-democratic, yes, it was a pro-democratic um, sewer pack. And what they did was they had a folder on, or a pile on Mitt Romney's record before he was even the Republican nominee. So, when the, so every attack that they had came quickly, it came fast, and they really whittled away at his record. What an interesting system. And uh, the more, uh, more of that is available in the supporter sink. If you're curious, but I want to move on because uh, one of the things we've talked a little bit about is Hillary Clinton's email server. And from a technical standpoint, where it's stored is kind of an important story because we've always been told like the general, the, the average narrative or whatever you want to call it is, well, it was at her house, right? Right. It was on the record that brought you this first on-camera interview with Platte River Networks, a Denver-based IT company behind Hillary Clinton's server. Tonight on the record, Griff Jenkins takes you to Platte River Network's prior business location, the one rumored to hold servers inside the bathrooms. Now that's crap, but this is it. This is the place that had the servers, not Hillary Clinton's house. The story of Platte River Networks began here in 2004 in Unit 2K of the Ajax Lofts. Don't you think it's weird they added echo to this guy's audio when he's yeah, not? Yeah, why would they do that? Isn't that odd? That's very that's, strange. That's added, odd, that's added echo. Yeah, he's in, in an open environment. With so a lapel no mic there. Yeah. It was a small firm. Only a maybe, the, maybe, 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 actually, maybe it's to his left there. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. About 15 employees, but eventually grew into a full-service IT management firm. We spoke to some of the former employees who spoke highly of their time here and of the founders, Treve Suazo, Brent Dahl's house, and Tom Welch. But was the server really kept in a bathroom closet as reported? The employee who originally made that comment we spoke with, and she wanted to set the record straight. She didn't want to go on camera or use her name, but she says yes. In fact, the server was kept in a storage closet accessible by going through the bathroom. But that, that server in no way contained data pertinent to clients. And in fact, at no time were client servers kept physically at this location including Hillary Clinton's. Platte River moved out of here about six months ago to their new 12,000-square-foot sprawling headquarters, Ooh. and now we know that that server belonging to Secretary Hillary Clinton was not here or at the new location, but rather in New Jersey. In Denver, I'm Griff Jenkins, Fox News. So here's the thing, and I guarantee it. I guarantee it. There's multiple servers. You don't do somebody's email as important as Hillary Clinton's no, and no. not have a go. You got to have archive. You could have archiving. Yeah. If nothing else, you might have a spooling in case the server goes offline. Uh, and so let's talk about. Remember last week we talked a little bit about the intelligence agency being upset about that, about Hillary Clinton's email server. Here's a little more on that. And developing tonight, the intelligence community now worried that classified information may have leaked from Hillary Clinton's private email server when the server's data was handled by multiple people with no security clearance. I think this is what might get her in trouble, is a lot of people had their hands on her server that didn't have clearance to have classified info. Yeah, well, you know what she did? She went to Google. She <laughs> she looked for, you know, she could have used a droplet from DigitalOcean. <laughs> yeah, right. But she didn't. What she did is she wanted to go ahead and said, you know what, I'm, uh, no, I don't no know. go daddy. I don't nah, know if they disclaim here, but this guy that they're about to interview... Yeah. is a crisis management guy that the hosting company has brought in. Oh. He talks like he's been working there this whole time. He was just brought in. He's like a, he's like a hotshot crisis management person that probably the Clinton campaign told them to get. <laughs> 
Platte River Networks even aware of this sensitive uh, possible classified material on this server? No, I mean, the job of an IT company uh, in the capacity of Platte River is to literally manage and protect that data. We don't look at the data. We manage it and protect it. We manage it and protect it, but we don't look at it. What the hell does that mean? Uh, How do you manage da- it without looking at it? Data is the wrong word. You can't manage uh, yeah. data because yeah. you don't. You can't. You right. can't. You have to be able to identify what the data is. You yeah. have to be able to identify the size of the data. You have to identify the but type we don't of the data. Look at it. Okay. You have yeah, to be able to identify yeah. if the data is, is capable of being compressed, if it's malware. Right, you have to be able yeah. to identify, because this is email, right? You have to be able to, be able to identify if it's spam. Uh, if nothing else, you are at least looking at the headers and del- figuring out where to deliver that email, and you're storing it somewhere and potentially indexing mm, it in the search. Yeah. At some point, I mean, you can't manage data without looking at data. Now, I can believe you can protect data without mm-hmm. looking at data, but you can't manage data without looking at data. So this crisis management guy's already kind of got me going, what? We don't look at the data. We manage it and protect it based on what our clients want. And that's what we did here. Fox Chief Intelligence Correspondent Catherine Harris here. Catherine? Well, look, in these situations with classified information, the chain of custody matters. So in an ideal situation, everyone who handled or managed the data would have a clearance and it would be held in a secure facility, what's known in the intelligence community as a skiff. And this was clear. A skiff, Chase. Really not the case here. This was not even a classified contract. All right, well, huh. Okay, so the information's on a server initially at the chap- at the uh, Clinton, New York home. Correct. The server then g- gets transported to a data center in New Jersey. Correct. Okay, so that's the second group of people mm-hmm. that handle it and don't have a clearance. Uh, all right, now, did the, did the information actually get transferred out to Denver? It's still or- not clear whether it got transferred out to Denver. And then on top of that, don't forget... That David Kendall had three thumb drives with copies of the emails. Who made that's the, her lawyer? That's her lawyer. Who made those copies of the emails? So again, it's all a question of access. Whether all of those individuals had clearances to handle that information, and whether in the interim it was held in a secure facility known as a skiff. And we know that that is simply not the case here. So there you go. That seems wow. to be the part that could get her in some some amount of trouble. Now, way, way, way more Clinton stuff. Let's see. Uh, how many more Clinton clips? Uh, 13 more Clinton clips, 1.5 gigabytes more of Clinton clips, if you're curious, in the overtime folder uh, for you supporters. Actually, not in the overtime folder, just in the Hill Dog folder. Um, so, yeah, there you go, Chase. Uh, isn't that something? Does that blow your brain off or what? I got a I couple told things. You, I told you that the email stuff would not go away. I'm I, still I not told convinced she's going to beat her. I'm still not convinced. I know, but you said this would be blown over two months ago. Oh, I don't think it's going to be blown over for. I don't know. I still don't think it's going to be blown over until next year. Well, that's what I think. I've been saying that for a while. It, it shows the, I think maybe the, January, the February. sneakiness, the dishonestness. Now, here's of the thing. how the Clintons are. There is a Benghazi hearing coming up soon for Hill Dog. Uh, that could see. change the conversation. All right. The Clinton campaign is super excited about it. They actually think it's going to be a really good thing. Mm-hmm. Anyways, moving on. Enough about that. Uh, I, we, we've been. It's been a long time since we've done a drone update. We need a drone update sound bump because this is this is a thing. These drones. I want. I, this is. I got to get me one of these Patriot like uh, drones you can get off Amazon for like uh, for like shots for like. Uh, Cons and stuff. Oh, yeah. Because after these clips, I'm pretty sure they're going to ban them from the general public. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right. Well, there's a dramatic spike in near collisions and drone sightings reported at U.S. airports so far this year. These remote controlled aircrafts are typically small, but they can still take down an airliner and potentially cause a major disaster. It may only be a matter of time, folks, uh, before we see a collision of this kind. Kristen Fisher is live at Reagan National Airport for us. Kristen, exactly how close were these calls? 
Well, so to put this all in perspective, last year there were about 240 close calls between drones and airplanes. This year, there's already been almost triple that amount, almost 700, according to The Washington Post. So that's the big, that's where all this, that's what's generating all this story. There's already, there's, this year alone, there's already been 700 close calls, quote unquote. And so uh, something's going to happen there, Chase. So get your Patriot Zone while you can, okay? Yes. And then last but not least, <laughs> I'm curious if you've ever run into this. Have you noticed, and I, I bet you have, but we'll just see, that as you've become more uh, comfortable with like being able to find trivial information via Google, that you kind of have forgotten some things, like you just don't keep track of things like you used to when you know you. It's just a quick Google away. Oh yeah, well, I it, it's 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 interesting that you mentioned that because it's like now that we have this access at our fingertips, it's yeah. like you know what did that person star in that movie so right. and so, and now we have it quickly yeah. at our fingertips. Yeah, but I I think you. So I'll give you an example. And then you push something out. There I'll give you an important. example. Before Google, I would memorize the cast names of the Star Trek cast members. Well, I already knew the cast members. I don't know the cast names of all the Enterprise cast members because they that show came out in the era of I could Google that. Um, and I don't know their names. I know Scott Bakula, obviously. Right. And I maybe know one or two others, but that's about it. But I, I, I but I could name all the I could name the I could name the actors' names of all the other series. Well, I know I know I know Trip. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, Connor. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so this new study claims that the internet is making us real dumb. Oh. So Joe just moved to the corner of fourteenth and M. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's pretty close. We're on 14th and, and uh, 14th and G. G. Right? I think so. Yeah. So how do we get to 14th and M? Uh, I don't know. Let me look it up. Not sure. Oh, God. Whatever. A new study out of the UK suggests that the internet and technology as a whole is making us all dumber. Kaspersky Labs found that at least 90% of us are suffering from what they call digital amnesia 90 percent chase what huh can't remember their own children's phone numbers 49 percent can't remember their partner's phone number they call this the google effect it's true the google effect is the new norm a new way of thinking the struggle is real it suggests <laughs> that we no longer commit data to memory because we feel safe in knowing that the answer it's just a click away. I actually think this makes total sense. I think we as human beings are designed to be as efficient and conserve yeah, as much as possible. But I also and when you I work also, with people, like you, know, you take will, it in. Well, well, yes, but when you work with people, you kind of build up like there's tribal knowledge because you know one person knows about this system, so you don't need to memorize that system. We do it as a way to manage our lives. Like we instinctively, when we have a trusted source to store that data, we do it with our spouses. My wife and I do this all the time. Yeah. Like when we go to tell stories, she'll fill in tons of details about the story and I'll fill in tons of other sides about the story. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, I think it's natural. A professor at the University of Birmingham School of Psychology believes that the Internet essentially changes our neuropathways no. and our thought processes. Another professor at Columbia University in New York said that the Google effect on memory is similar to how we count our friends to help us recall a memory or an event. See, I agree with that one. So there's the two theories. The two theories are it's changing our the brain structure, and the other theory is we just it's like how will you do it with friends? Just our neuro pathways and our thought processes. Another professor at Columbia University in New York said that the Google effect on memory is similar to how we count on our friends to help us recall a memory or an event. Then there's author Nicholas Carr, who wrote the book The Shallows, How the Internet is Changing the Way We Think, Read, and Remember. He said, quote, We're missing the real danger that human memory is not the same as the memory in a computer. It's through remembering that we make connections with what we know, what we feel, 
and this gives rise to personal knowledge. If we're not forming rich connections in our own minds, then we're not creating knowledge. But on the flip side, some anthropologists argue that technology is actually helping us live smarter since we now have access to answers unlike any other period in human history. New moms can Google health problems with their newborn. Someone might catch the symptoms of early onset Parkinson's disease by just looking it up online. Young scientists can expand on existing research that maybe somebody posted to the web out of their farmhouse in the middle of Kansas, which they might otherwise have never had access to. Go girl! And again, you might just forget your mother's birthday, and Siri doesn't have an answer to that one. So the debate rages on, and I'm sure you'll be able to look it up on Google. In Washington, Manila Chan, RT. <laughs> so, uh, Chase, the, uh, the, the moral of that story there is uh, before you forget it, put it into your Put it into a computer. That's right. That's type, the moral type, of that type story. Type it in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Before, before it loses your weak, porous brain. Make sure you write it down. Hey, Chase, before we get out of here, I wanted to just draw special attention to a uh, post in our uh, subreddit, uh, Producer Matt. Uh, Do you know how to turn on Flare, by the way, to, like, like flare him up? Can you flare him up? I don't know how to do that. Uh, Yes, I can flare him up. There you go. Anyways, uh, he wants to know what the most important unfiltered clips are, in your opinion. Uh, Like news pieces and uh, I think – anyways, he wrote up the whole post. He has it uh, over on the unfiltered subreddit uh, and it's – I think it's his first post reaching out to the community asking for input if I – I'm not sure though. Uh, unfiltered.reddit.com. And I'll vote that thing so it yeah, gets attention. You know I'll give it a vote right there, Chase. Good call. Yeah. And uh, I'll put a link to it in the uh, chat room right now if you're watching live. Unfiltered.reddit.com. We'd love to have you guys go give your input. He is working on uh, something really cool. Uh, does he tell you what it is? Because I don't want to spoil it if he doesn't. Oh yeah, he does. Uh, he tells you what the uh, what the what the what the goal is, and it's a really cool idea. I'm totally on board with it. I think it's totally neat. So check it out at unfiltered.reddit.com. And you know, Chase, if you were sort of hip, if you were sort of like uh, down. And maybe you wanted to uh, get some influence on the unfiltered show. Maybe you wanted to suggest something we should talk about. Maybe you thought, too much Hillary email server. They need to talk about something else. Maybe you want to go unfiltered.reddit.com. Maybe that's where you should go. Unfiltered.reddit.com. Just like producer Matt did. Yeah. You can help steer the conversation. Over 2,100 of you are currently a subscriber to this thread. And, you know, it keeps growing every single week. So we want to thank all you guys who support us there and submit stories and engage in the conversation. Now, Mm -hmm. another form of conversation can be found in 140 characters or less, and that is known as Twitter. You might have heard of this thing. Oh, no. And I, well, you you know, because you not only just have one account, you have two, Chris. You have uh, at Chris LAS. You're right, I do. You're right. And and you have the newly uh, created at Jupiter Signal, where you can find out when uh, episodes are posted, maybe special guests coming in the studio, when Unfilter is live, things like that. That's true. All right there. Now, Chase, uh, I was going to recommend you go over to Twitter.com and create an account now. Uh, You have kind of a unique Uh, uh, last name. Let me me top that. You have a unique last name. Here's what I'm going to do. I signed up for you. Twitter.com. Slash Nunes created that for you. Whoa, yes. wow, you yeah. did that so fast. You're welcome, buddy. That looks so good. I also tweeted 15,000 times. And you uh, also went back now. to 2008. Instead, I joined then. <laughs> hey, man, I got a time machine. What do you fair want? Enough. Yeah, fair what enough. What do you want? Yeah. Hey, so you're going to be doing packs. Yeah, I bet I, you're going to have some packs content. I'm going to have loads of packs content. You guys, if you have an opportunity, head on over to geekgamer.tv. We'll Ooh. be posting loads of content there. Uh, the Geek Gamer Show made an appearance last week, so we, we talked about Windows 10 gaming. Uh, and and how DRM is causing major issues mm. with gamers with Windows oy. 10. Oi, that sounds like something to get people fired up. Oh about. yes, absolutely. Geekgamer.tv. Now the Unfilter Show is live on a Wednesday. Go to JupiterBroadcasting.com/slash calendar to get that converted to your local time zone. 
And also jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact emails. And don't forget to support us over at patreon.com slash unfilter. We really appreciate it. Yes. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Unfilter. And we'll see you right back here next, next week. week. See you, Pax. Woo!